Hi everyone, we are one week away from receiving the Torah. And when this time of year comes around, when we celebrate our 3,335th anniversary with Torah, with Hashem, the question that we need to ask ourselves, that I'm asking myself, is really one of introspection. What is my relationship with Torah? What is my relationship with Hashem? In order to explore this, I'm going to be sharing with you one of my favorite, most beautiful sechas of the Rebbe. It's one that describes the concept of shita, perspective. I know that the way I conduct myself, the way I travel, the way my room is, the way my brain functions, is all in alignment with my personality. Even things that seemingly disconnect are all in alignment with the way I conduct myself, the way my brain operates. So too with Amarayim, with Chachamim in the Talmud. Often they disagree, but their disagreements are just a mere manifestation of their wider perspective of the way they see the world. Today we're going to talk about the argument of two very important sages, Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Ishmael. They argue on a mere semantic, but this mere semantic explores to us and gives us important lessons on how we are meant to serve Hashem. So we open up the giving of the Torah, Aseris Hadibras, that we read in one week with the Pasuk, by Dabar Elikim as Kladz Rama Ela Leymar. And Hashem spoke all the following, saying, Anachli Hashem Alekecha, I am Hashem your God, that took you out from the lands of slavery, from the house of bondage. And the question is asked on the word Lamar. Every time the Torah has the word Lamar, it means repeat. Hashem says the following things, saying, usually 99.9% of the time, everything Hashem told Moshe was in private. No one heard it. And then it was Moshe's job and duty as a leader, Lamar, to repeat it to the Jewish people. But in this context, the word Lamar seems completely redundant. If you think about it, we were all there. Every soul, my future great-grandkids, were at Matantara. Anyone who will convert or has converted, their soul was at Matantara too. So what, who is this being repeated to? It's clearly not being repeated to the people that were there because they were there. And it's clearly not being repeated to the next generations because we were there too. Our souls were there, very present at Matantara. So the question is asked, what is the purpose of the word Lamar? This is where an argument breaks out between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Ishmael. The Mechilza tells us that the word Lamar in this context means Hashem wants a feedback. Hashem wants the Jewish people to respond. Yes, no, I'm interested, I'm not interested, it's complicated. And so, every time there was a positive commandment, Rabbi, Rabbi Ishmael says, which means that on every affirmative, they answered in the affirmative. If Hashem said, keep Shabbos, they answered, yes, we will keep Shabbos. Or do not steal, they said, no, we will not steal. Rabbi Ishmael argues and says, Al hain hain va love hain, which means on everything, yes. Keep Shabbos, yes. Do not steal, yes. Now the question is, this is so silly. It just seems like mere semantics. Who actually cares? If I say, 
cross the road. Do not cross the road. And I say, yes, I will not cross the road. Or I say, no, I will not cross the road. The, the solution is completely the same. The rabbi comes to tell us that a mere word describes a whole perspective in our serving of Hashem. If we look back to what Rabbi Kiba and Rabbi Shmuel represent, who were they and where did they come from? Rabbi Akiva is arguably the most written about, the most prolific sage in the Talmud. And Rabbi Akiva's life, and his wife especially, is one that is so inspiring and so, I guess, motivating, especially in my life. If you think about it, Rachel was a young girl and sees Rabbi Akiva, a 40-year-old gardener, in the field. She tells her father, a very wealthy man, Kalba Savor, he was so wealthy that it says Kalba, even his dogs were satisfied and so full because of the plenty that he had. And Rabbi, Rachel says to her father, I'm going to marry this man. And her father says, are you crazy? And he kicks them both out the house. Rabbi Kiva and Rachel are so poverty stricken that they sleep in the barn. And every morning, Rabbi Akiva combs the straw out of Rachel's hair. Rabbi Aki- Rachel tells Rabbi Akiva, I want you to go learn Torah. And he starts in Kitta Aleph, in Priwane, in Yeke. And slowly, slowly, Rachel finally sends, tells Rabbi Akiva, I want you to go learn Torah. And he goes for seven years. And on his way back to meet his wife and be reunited with her, he overhears Rachel say, if my husband would go for another seven years, I would not mind. And so, before even saying hello to his wife, he goes back to learn for another seven years. In those 14 years that Rachel sacrificed by seeing the potential of her husband, Rabbi Akiva, he mer- she merited that Rabbi Akiva would have 24,000 students. And when those 24,000 students were killed in a horrible plague, with five students, he got up and started again. When Rabbi Hanina ben Dasa's wife asked him, why do I not have the crown that Rachel gave, that Rabbi Akiva gave Rachel? His, her husband answered her, when you have Masirat Nefesh, like Rachel, you too can get a Yerushalayim Shel Zahav. Since Rabbi Akiva gave Rachel a Yerushalayim Shel Zahav, a gold tiara for a sacrifice. Rabbi Akiva is someone that stood up against societal norms. He was able to, despite the fact that his family, he comes from family of converts, he didn't have the support in order to be the great sage, if you think about it. Nevertheless, through the support of his wife and great persistence, Rabbi Akiva started at 40 and is the most written about sage. I always think about it for myself. If I'm not where I am meant to be, you never know where life's going to take you. And Rabbi Akiva spends his whole life, his entire life, being in complete devotion. One of my favorite stories about Rabbi Akiva is the story in which they come to see the ruins of where the Beis HaMikdash once stood 100 years earlier. And as they get to Mount Scopus, they get to hearts of him. Rabbi Akiva and his five colleagues look at the place where the Kodesh HaKadashim, the Holy of Holy, once stood. 
and Rabbi Akiva, and they all ripped their clothing. And the sages cried, and Rabbi Akiva laughed. And they looked at him, and they said, how could you be laughing? And he said, there are two prophecies. There's a prophecy, prophecy of Uriah and the prophecy of Zechariah. The prophecy of Uriah states that there was going to be a shual, there's going to be a fox that comes out of the holiest place. And look, we just saw a fox coming out of the place of where the Holy of Holies once stood. Now that I know that that prophecy came true, I know surely that the prophecy of Zechariah, or Yeshvos Kenims Kenot Barachabat Yerushalayim, is going to be returning old people on the streets of Jerusalem. Tonight, Koach Iyar is Yom Yerushalayim. I've got chills to think about it. That today, in 1967, after 19 long years, and 2,000 plus years, we finally got Harabai Biadeno in our hands. May we see the Beis HaMikdash very soon in that spot today. And, the, and Rabbi Akiva is someone that every time he saw something difficult in his life, instead of crying, he said, I have hope for the better. When, when, it, the, when the Talmud describes Rabbi Akiva's death, when the Romans captured him, put, literally peeled off with iron cones his skin, put him through terrible tortures, Rabbi Akiva started saying Shema Yisrael. And his students looked at him and said, Rabbi Akiva Ad Khan, to what extent, how much are you going to be giving of your life for Hashem? How could you be saying Shema? How could you be praising God right now? Literally, you're in so much torture and you're being tortured for teaching Torah. And Rabbi Akiva said, all my life, when I said Shema Yisrael, I said, Odecha, I want to give my whole self for Hashem. At the end of the Kamara states, Ashrecha Rabbi Akiva, Shiyatasa Bereshama Be'echad. And when he said the word Echad, his soul, his soul literally left him. The Kamara Bracha says, Ashrecha, praise the you, Rabbi Akiva, that your soul left on the word one, on the word Echad. This is Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was one with Hashem. He was so one, he was so surrendered, that there was no separation between him and Hashem. He had no worries because every single thing that happens in his life was in the hands of Hashem and there was no reason to ever cry or be upset. Yes, there was a fox coming out of the holiest place, but that just meant that because there's destruction, there's going to be renovation. There's going to be a rebuilding. Rabbi Kiva never lost hope. The next Amara that we talk about is Rabbi Ishmael. Rabbi Ishmael was different. Rabbi Ishmael had a different background. Rabbi Ishmael came from families, from family of Kohanim Gedalim. He didn't know the struggle in the same way Rabbi Akiva knew the struggle. And this is reflective in the way in which they argue. For example, one of the other arguments that they argue about is when we talk about the fact that they saw the thunder and they heard the lightning. Rabbi Yishmael says, Ryan as Hanishma, Bashaiman as Hanira. Ryan, they saw what was meant to be seen and they heard what was meant to be heard. Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva says, no, literally, 
they saw what was meant to be heard and they and they saw what was meant to be heard and they heard what was meant to be seen. Rabbi Kiva said that they experienced something transcendental. They experienced synesthesia. They experienced something out of out of this world. Rabbi Shmuel says, no, it's metaphorical. So what does this have to do in the way we serve Hashem? Let's say, this is my favorite analogy of all time. If I was in the Apple store and I was buying my favorite new iPhone and Tim Cook walked past and I said, and I bought the top iPhone, iPhone 14 plus extra, plus, yeah, plus, and with the top megabytes. And Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, came up to me and said, hey, I'm going to help you, like, get the best features on your phone. And I say, I bought this phone. It's my phone. Like, I don't really need your advice. At the end of the day, it's my phone. It's my money. I purchased this phone. Who do you think you are? That would be silly. This is Tim Cook. He knows his phone better than I know the phone. He got the best software engineers, the best marketing people, the best of the best of the best, the best engineers to engineer the greatest phone. Why would I not listen to Tim Cook? So too, Hashem gave us the Torah. Hashem knows us better than we know ourselves. And so often we tell Hashem, we're not interested. Today's not the day. None of the mood can't be bothered. So silly, because the truth is Hashem knows us better than we know ourselves. We should be saying, Hashem, since you know us better than you, we know ourselves, you gave us this manual. You created us and you've given us a manual on how to live the best life ever. Why would we not listen to Hashem? This is Rabbi Ishmael's approach. Al hain hain va love love. And I think it's true. I think it's step one in our serving of Hashem. We have to realize that serving Hashem is good for us. It's a manual on how we live our lives. Keeping Shabbos, when Hashem said keep Shabbos, the Jewish people thought about it. They internalized it and they said, yes, keeping Shabbos is good. I love it. I mean, it's the best mitzvah ever. And when Hashem said, do not kill, they said, yes, killing is immoral. No, we will not kill. There has to be a level in which we understand Torah is good for us. It's step one. We have to celebrate. We have to recognize how beautiful it is. And we have to celebrate its beauty and be able to really become one with it. But then there's step two. And I like to exercise step two when I'm not always feeling, I guess, the most inspired. Step two is Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says yes. Hashem, yes. Everything, yes. I'm one with you. I'm completely surrendered to you. Tara is a transcendental experience. It's synesthesia. You sometimes see what you're meant to hear, and you sometimes hear what you're meant to see. Rabbi Kiva said, I'll hate, hate, but I'll love, hate. Even his yes was different. It wasn't about him internalizing the message. It was like, keep Shabbos, Hashem. This is what you want, Shabbos? Yes. Do you honor my parents? Yes. Don't kill? Yes. Do not steal? Yes. Hashem, everything you want from me? Yes. Rabbi Akiva was someone that gave his entire life for Hashem. He was fully surrendered. No matter what happens to our lives, the good, the bad, the ugly, I'm speaking to myself. On those days, the way I want to live my life is yes. 
Hashem, yes, I give you everything. Hashem, yes to everything. You know what's best. You see what I don't see. If I spend my whole life trying to internalize everything, I have to realize I'm limited. Hashem, sometimes you know better. Sometimes, all the time, you know better. We have to be like Rabbi Akiva. Step one is knowing it's good for us in the way of Rabbi Ishmael, in the way that is pure. But then sometimes we have to defy the odds like Rabbi Akiva, someone that didn't come from a typical background, someone that pushed himself beyond the call of duty, someone that stood up after 24,000 students died. Rabbi Akiva was the one that was able to push forth that saw the celebration and the destruction, something that no one else was able to see. He was able to see the redemption and the destruction. And he was able to see the oneness in his own pain, in his own death, and his own persecution. So Hashem, yes. This Shavuos, I say yes. And I bless us that it shouldn't be so difficult and that all our life we're able to have a relationship with Hashem, a relationship of yeses. Wishing you a beautiful and meaningful Shabbos and a very celebratory Shavuos.